the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Well, only two days matter in the Christian life, today and that day, the day of the Lord. And the Bible says that the only way for a Christian to live rightly today is to live in the light of that day to come. So let's consider what that day of the Lord holds in store for us Christians together now, and let it transform our hopes, our ambitions, fears, indeed our lives. Let's stand together and sing.
Let's uh, bow our heads together and let's pray. Oh, Father, what we've sung about you is gloriously true. You are the one who sits enthroned with the earth as your footstool. You are the one who created the heavens and the earth and established your loving rule. And around your throne, that throne in glory, no one can help but praise you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes us faultless in your sight. He's the one whose work makes it possible for every tear-stained eye to be wiped. And he's the one who promises a home where righteousness dwells and the one who promises a seat with him on his throne. Oh, Father, a moment's consideration of all that we have in Christ and of what that great day holds in store for us it reminds us so quickly that we fail to live in the light of that day, the day that brings the longed-for salvation to reality. We live according to our own rules and not yours. Uh, other sights besides you captivate our vision. Other treasures receive the devotion that you alone deserve, and other promises push aside the promise of that great day when we will see you and be like you, and as a result, our lives are not marked by the holiness, guardedness, or thankfulness that you seek in us. No, the opposite is true, Father. To our shame, we are unholy, easily led, and ungrateful. Please forgive us. What a joyous relief it is to know that believing hearts find promised grace, and day after day, salvation comes because of Jesus. Father, we pray that you would use this time together as your church, this church family here to learn to live every day that you give us in light of the day to come. Uh, we ask it for your glory, O ruler of all, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome, uh, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, my name's Liam, one of the pastors here, and if you're new, uh, welcome to you. Please don't leave without uh, stopping by the Connect Corner on your way out or stopping to say hi to someone. Uh, that Connect Corner is the go-to place if you want to go and say, I'm new, or I want to find out more about what's going on in the life of the church. Uh, you'll find a warm welcome there, as well as, I hope, uh, right where you are. Uh, tonight, our evening service is at 7 o'clock. Please do join us for that. Andy Patterson is going to be taking us through the next slice in 1 Samuel. That's 1 Samuel 18. It'd be great if you could read that before you come in preparation for that. Uh, church members, two emails went out this past week that may have ended up in your spam uh, folder. So double check that, please, uh, because one is in regards to our Ukrainian crisis offering uh, go digging for that, uh, find that email, and please do give generously. We all know the turmoil that's uh, going on in Ukraine just now. Uh, we have an opportunity through OM uh, to give generously to some relief work there. Uh, the other email relates to a meeting that's taking place later this afternoon with one of our AWM Pioneers workers. Uh, there's a wee video teaser for you just now, not with our own worker, uh, and the video will explain why, but with Chris Binstead, uh, head of AWM Pioneers, and our very own Uncle Alec and Auntie Carla Watts, uh, the video explains it all. Let's watch it. Chris, tell us a little bit about what AWM Pioneers does. Well, we're a Christian ministry. We've been working in the Arab world for about 140 years, quite some time. And what we seek to do is we seek to reach unreached peoples of the Arab world and beyond with the good news of Jesus. That's one thing that hasn't changed in our 140 years of existence, although obviously ways of doing it have. And the vast majority of these people in the Arab world are from Muslim backgrounds. We've got 90 people or so, something like 90 people who have been sent from the UK who are seeking to reach and to disciple Arabs. Many are in North Africa or the Middle East, but not all of them. Some are working in Arab communities in Europe. Some are based here in the UK. Some may be teaching. Some may be learning Arabic. Some are working among refugees, all sorts of things. And that's just a couple of the things that I've mentioned. We've got a media ministry. Nowadays, if someone has a big question, where do they go? They go online. 
they go to Google. We know of at least 260 people, at people, these are Muslims, who came to know Christ as their Lord and Savior in 2021. One of these new believers, I'll call him Ahmed, don't know his real name, but I'll call him Ahmed. He said this to us online, he said, I finally found the path of truth and light. Jesus is the Son of God. I tell you what, it's always fantastic when someone comes to faith, but they really need to be discipled. Now, we take discipleship very seriously. We've got a program which offers both discipleship and leadership development. It's called CALM. That means preparing Arab world leaders for ministry. And it's in Palm that your own cross-cultural worker is working. It's so amazing to hear what God is mm. doing all around the Arab world and to hear about all those people coming to know Jesus. And we just really are excited about that. But you mentioned our cross-cultural worker. Chris, why are we talking mm. to you instead of to our own cross-cultural worker? She's far more better looking than I am, but it, it's all to do with security matters. Your own cross-cultural worker will go into various countries in the Arab world as a trainer, for which a visa is often required. No visa, no access to the country, no training for these believers from a Muslim background. Now, some of these countries may well be closed countries where the church is underground and has to be very discreet. So it's definitely best if your cross-cultural worker does not have their face on the internet as a trainer of believers from a Muslim background. Okay, so if you want to find out more and uh, meet our own worker, many of you know who uh, will know who she is, a great, great work going on. Uh, check your emails, check the Friday MailChimp and log on to that this afternoon at 1.30. Boys and girls, time for you to go out to Sunday school now. If you are new and you have kids P7 and under, Head to the back, our stewards will gladly help you know where to go. And as the kids are going out, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say hello. Okay, folks, well, I am uh, delighted to encourage you to continue those conversations at the end of the service. Uh, and I'm glad to have Hannah Scott and Kira Simpson with me. Uh, we're welcoming them into membership of the church today. Uh, membership matters to us here at Charlotte Chapel um, for these reasons. I mean, the Bible depicts um, uh, the church as a building, and we're the bricks in it, as a flock, uh, and we're the individual sheep in it. Uh, it says that we're a body and we're all individual members of it. And that's just a, a snippet of the reasons why membership for us is very important. And not merely a statement of uh, a willingness to attend, but a living commitment to Jesus and to each other. That's what it's all about. And uh, that's why I'm delighted to welcome you both into membership. Hannah, um, the verse that's been chosen for you as we welcome you in, uh, chosen by your elder, is from Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Welcome. God bless you. And for Kira, uh, 2 Peter 1, 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Welcome. God bless. Thanks. You can have a seat.
Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 52. Uh, Later in our service, our lead pastor, Paul Reese, is going to preach on Romans 13. And the church in that passage is called to do what God's old covenant people, Israel, were called to do in preparation for leaving Babylon. Isaiah 52 uh, contains that. Basically, wake up, get dressed, and be ready for the day of deliverance and the judgment that comes with it. Isaiah 52, and we'll read from verse 1. Awake, awake, Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says, you were sold for nothing, and without money you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, at first my people went down to Egypt to live, lately Assyria has oppressed them. And now what do I have here, declares the Lord, for my people have been taken away for nothing, and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord." And all day long, my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure, you who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, Israel's experience in Babylon sounds so much like our own. While your church is not held in physical captivity, not in this country anyway, we know what it's like to live in a world that blasphemes your name. It's wearying to live in it, and strength is what we need and how we praise you that you provide it. Your strength is ours to put on, and our joy in you is our strength to endure. Father, help us And may all of us, wearied by so many different things, like even government legislation that's contrary to your word, help us to clothe ourselves with strength. Let those like John and Claire Easton, Muriel Mayo, and others recently who have known recently the weakening effects of grief find strength in your nearness. Help those wearied by cancer like Sheila and Fred and Celia and Sam, clothe themselves with the strength that you provide. Help those presently or recently in hospital like Tony Norton and Betty McIntyre and Norman Wallace, let them clothe themselves with the strength that you provide. And may those like Sarah Forsyth, Adrian and Val Todd and Natasha Black, those whose struggle seems to be more long-term, may they find ongoing endurance because of your love. What a joy it brings to know that in every one of these circumstances that the day of the Lord for us brings the fullness of our redemption and makes us pray, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. While we wait for that day, Father, please help us not to lose heart as your people, but to remember that you reign. For you have bared your strength through the weakness of a cross and the preaching of it by carriers uh, like us 
and others. And you're taking it to the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth will see your salvation. And knowing that, Lord, we boldly ask for you to open doors for us to carry this news to others here in our own city. Not just in, a, in anticipation of Passion for Life events, but in the day-to-day -day things. Help our partner churches in the Pillar Network here in Scotland and across the world do the same. Let the proclamation of workers that we have sent to other places like Laura Vermeulen affect the same change, whether to Afghan refugees like those that Laura meets or to other people groups, uh, especially the likes of those who are unreached like the Bosniaks, whether living in Bosnia, Herzegovina or scattered throughout the world. Let those beautiful feet carry the gospel there. And we pray this too for Ukrainians in the turmoil of war. Lord, let them see your salvation. Clothe them with strength. And by your sovereign power, please bring that war to an end. Let them cry out to you in their tragedy, in their tears, and find in you a Savior who promises life forevermore. We pray the same for the Russians, for those in power who are deliberate in their warmongering, or for citizens, whether supportive or unsupportive, let them all see the beauty of believers who live among them as citizens of Russia, but more importantly, citizens of your heavenly kingdom. And through them, let them hear the gospel and be saved. And for us right now, Lord, we confess we are prone to slumber. We can be spiritually sleepy when we should be energetically at this gospel work not only in the world, but among one another here. Lord, we don't live in readiness for the coming day or shake off the dust of the sinful world and live differently. No, Father, we, we live like tomorrow will be another day just like today. And that's why sin is so easily tolerated and holiness and its pursuit so easily disregarded by us. Lord, please speak to us through your servant Paul today. And by your Holy Spirit, transform us. Remind us of our redemption and help us to rejoice in it. Teach us about that day and how to make the most of this one. And may the grace that's appeared through our Lord Jesus Christ teach us to say no to ungodliness while we wait for the blessed hope of his coming. We ask it, uh, Lord, that you might Help us shake off, as James says, all moral filth and humbly receive the implanted word. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, as the day of the Lord draws nearer and us to it, uh, we don't dread it because our future is sure. Christ has secured it for his blood-bought people. And by our sight, he stays through it all. Our next song invites us to sing that with conviction to God, so let's stand and do just that.
Thanks to the band and the singers for leading us so well this morning. It's always a privilege to be at Charlotte Chapel and sing God's praises. Thanks for where you facilitate that for us. And uh, let me add my welcome. My name is Paul Reese, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Charlotte Chapel. Well, for those who were here last week, let me ask you a question. How did you get on this past week? How did you get on with loving those difficult people in your life? Uh, did you move towards people? Did you bless them? Or did you, uh, did you kind of avoid them? How did it go? And how are you feeling about doing that exact same thing again this week? I, that is not avoiding them, but moving towards difficult people and loving them. I mean, how do you feel about doing it all again another week? I mean, what motivates us to keep on going in the Christian life? Well, last week we saw one of the motivations uh, from Romans chapter 13. It'll help you to open your Bibles up there. Um, we saw last week that this command to uh, love your neighbor as yourself, this command to love, in a sense, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful summary of all of the Ten Commandments. And here's one of the great motivations of, of why we love. It's because we know that's what God wants us to do. All the commandments of the Old Testament can be summarized with this command that we love. That's what we considered last week. But a further motivation is found in our text today, the next section. And it is to understand the times that we are living in today. So please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. And I'm going to read from verse 11. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside 
the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Well, please keep that open and let's briefly pray and ask God's help. Father, please speak to us now through your word. Help us to meditate upon it, that it would do good for our souls. Help us to live in the light of the day that is to come. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. So let's chew this over a bit. Look at that opening phrase, and do this, which kind of refers us to all that we've been looking at since the beginning of Romans chapter 12. And do this serving and loving of your fellow church members. Do this uh, loving of our enemies. Do this uh, loving even of our government. Do this loving our neighbor as ourselves. Do this understanding the time we're living in. Now, there are two types of words for time. There's the, um, the one about the clock, and then the other is about significance. So 1 p.m. is just a time, isn't it? A, a, a clock time, if you move it on. But uh, 1 p.m., Saturday, March the 21st, 1922, was it 1922? 1992. <laughs> 1992 was a significant time. I got married to Shona. I know we haven't changed. Well, she hasn't changed. And a week on Monday, we're going to celebrate 30 years of marriage. Next slide. Let's move it on. Uh, if you wake up your children early in the morning, they might ask you, what is the time? And you could tell them it's 5.30 in the morning, which is just the clock time. Or you could tell them the significance time. It's time to wake up and get dressed because we've got to catch a plane to go on our summer holiday. Now, that's a fairly motivating, significant sort of time, isn't it? This is what the Apostle Paul meant by understanding the time. It means understanding the significance of this time that we're living in according to God. This is a time of key opportunity, of decision, because we understand where we're at in salvation history. Look at the next phrase. The hour has already come, it says. God coming into the world through his Son has marked a pivotal moment in history. The word that was uh, with God and through which everything was made became flesh. When Jesus came into the world, it transformed everything about the history of the world. It marked the beginning of the end of this age even as the next age is declared. So according to Mark's account of the gospel, Jesus went about proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Come. And to proclaim the good news is basically to invite everyone who will listen uh, to be part of it. And do you know what? If you're not yet part of it, I want to invite you today. You can be part of this. You can be part of God's everlasting kingdom today. You, you, can, you can change your life so you never have to fear death if you will simply repent of your sins and put your trust in Jesus, the crucified, resurrected, and now ascended King. The hour has already come, for Jesus has come. And millions have responded to this gospel to be part of his forever kingdom. It has already come, but the full reality of the kingdom has not yet fully come. We're still waiting for Jesus to return as king in glory. The Bible tells us that this will be a day of worldwide judgment and separation for all who to refuse to acknowledge him as king. But it will be a day of of salvation and transformation for all who look forward to his coming, who expectantly wait for his return. The groaning of this world 
which we're reminded of again in wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and famines of frustration and futility, is the groaning of a world waiting for this day to dawn, the return of Jesus Christ in glory. And our bodies are groaning, aren't they? They're groaning with the effects and sufferings of sin, disease, aging, decay, death, as we wait for the hope of the return of Jesus Christ. For when he does, our bodies will be redeemed and transformed to be like his own resurrection body. And we'll live in a kingdom of perfect justice and righteousness, joy and peace. All turmoil will be gone. Harmony and blessing will be our experience. This is the Christian hope. This is the dawning of a new age. And we are living in this in-between time. Jesus has come. The time has already come. We're waiting for the fullness of what is yet to come. That's the the not yet of the kingdom. We're living in this time of the, the already but not yet of the fullness of the kingdom of God. And that's the hope that motivates the Christian to keep going in their Christian life. This is the hope that motivates us to keep um, loving others and living uh, for Christ. And so there's three responses that I want us to look at this morning when we understand the time that we're in. Three responses this morning when we understand this time. First of all, it's time to wake up. Time to wake up. Look at verse 11. The hour has already come for you to wake up. It's a good sermon when people are feeling sleepy. Every occasion I'll shout at you, wake up! It's time to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Now sometimes each new week can feel just like exactly like the, the, the week that's just gone by. You know, how are things? Same old, same old. You know, same challenges, same heartaches, same problems, another grinding day. We groan at the thought of getting out of bed and facing another week, just like the week before. But to think like that is to forget the significance of this time. Each new day for the Christian, our salvation is coming closer. Each new day, we are one day closer to our freedom and liberation. For our salvation is coming. And it is nearer now than when we first believed. Our salvation is coming because Jesus Christ is coming. And we are closer to seeing Jesus today than we were this time last week. One day closer to seeing him face to face. One day closer to having our bodies redeemed and and transformed. One day closer to his everlasting kingdom that will not end, where wars will cease, where tears and sorrows will be gone. Our salvation is drawing nearer. And so how are we to respond? Well, it's time to wake up. Now, we we have four children, and we've gone through all the stages with them. Um, uh, In the early days, basically, we'd be up at the crack of dawn, uh, putting on CBeebies just to kind of fill up the time, because they'd be up at the crack of dawn. And then as they moved into the teenage years, they would lie in their beds long into the day. And because we loved them, And because we know that they had things to do, we would go into their room and we would say, wake up. It's time to seize the day. It's time to make most of the opportunities. It's time to get to work. The the sun is well up. It's time to wake up and get moving. And you know, sometimes we would leave the bedroom and we'd feel good about what we'd just done. And they would sort of rouse, but then they'd just think, oh, just a little bit longer on the pillow, and they go back to sleep again. Now, as Christians, we can behave exactly like this. We can forget the time we are living in. The king has come, and he's coming back again. That's the time we're living in. The king has come, and he is coming back again. 
The hour has already come. So the aimless, sleepy lethargy is no longer appropriate. It's time to wake up. We need to stir ourselves to remember the time. See, time will not just keep going on and on uh, with no purpose or meaning. King Jesus has come. And he is coming back again. Can you imagine the moment to hear the trumpet of the Lord sounding and you know the rescuer has come. The deliverance has come. All the stress and strain will be forgotten in that moment when you hear the trumpet of the Lord. You know, this is it. The moment has come. And it's nearer and closer today than it was last week. And does not give that, does that not give us fresh energy to face another day? Um, to make most of the limited time and opportunities that we have ahead of us to redeem the, the time. My dad used to come into my room when I was a teenager and he'd keep saying to me, redeem the time, Paul. The days are evil. Redeem the time. It stuck with me. And guess what? I share it with my kids as well. You might want to share it with your kids. Redeem the time. It's time to make it count. Jesus has come and has promised he's coming back again. So, you know, our lives may be very difficult and we are experiencing grief and loss and even darkness for we're living in the age of Adam's sin but you know what it is not forever our bodies are struggling and aching and and they're they're in pain but you know what it is not forever loving some of the difficult people in your life it just feels exhausting and draining and difficult but it's not forever take a look at verse 12 the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The sun is just below the horizon, and you can see the first rays of light flashing across the sky. The Son of God is returning in glory, and the day is almost here. That's the time we are living in. And so firstly, wake up. Secondly, it's time to take off the night closed. Look at verse 12. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual morality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. In 2010, um, a Tesco's in Cardiff was the first to introduce a ban from people shopping in their pajamas. A formal complaint was made to the manager of the store in St. Mellon's area in Cardiff, describing the sight of people walking around the store in their pajamas as disgusting, <laughs> eliciting the ban. Uh, Elaine, a full-time mother of two young boys, described the ban as ridiculous and pathetic. She said she'd regularly gone shopping at the store in her pajamas until about a week before when she was turned away when she went to buy cigarettes. She said she'd just been popping in for a pack of fags. But if she'd gone doing a full shop, then we obviously would have gone in clothes. Now, I don't know where you stand on this shopping in pajamas debate. But as I look around the room, I sense that many of you are with me on this one. That we're of the view that there are clothes you put on at nighttime when they're suitable for bed. But then, actually, when the day comes, you take those off and you put on your day clothes and you head out the door. And I want to thank you for that. <laughs> well, Paul takes that very familiar experience to remind us of what, what's appropriate about understanding the time we're living in. The old age of sin and darkness is nearly over. Once we also lived as if it was the only way of living in the darkness. Um, 
in the dark about God, in the dark about Jesus. And while we might thought of, we were exercising our freedom to kind of indulge our sexual desires and to lose self-control through drugs and drink, to pursue every desire and passion without restraint, the truth was that we were enslaved and lost and in darkness. Eat, drink, and be merry is pretty much the worldview philosophy of many in our nation, whether it's a very hedonistic form or a very middle-class form. But living in the darkness, people don't realize that, that one day they're going to face their God, their maker, and their judge. And we know as Christians that this is the very reason that Jesus Christ came into the world. He came as the true light to shine into the darkness of this world, revealing God to us and also giving us the right to become children of God, to join his kingdom of light. We know the time that we're living in. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. And so transformed by the mercy of God, having received the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know we belong to the coming day. And we show that by our behavior. Second half of verse 12. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Let us behave decently, appropriately, as, as, as those in the daytime. Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Those are the things that used to surround us. The close of the night when we lived in darkness. I mean, these are the behaviors that basically promoted throughout Freshers' Week in university, it seems to me. This is what the weekends are about for many people in our city. Uh, not from far from here, there are pole dancing clubs and strip clubs and brothels and saunas and, and uh, drunkenness and the violence that follows and the hookups and sadly the rape are all part of the challenge of what they call the nighttime economy. And perhaps there are people sitting in church today and you're still caught up in all of that. For I know this has been true in the past. People have sat in church feeling a great sense of shame and guilt hanging over them because of all they've been involved with just in the days before. But they came to a point where they repented and experienced the transforming grace of God in their lives to change them. But perhaps you're here today and you're still stuck there. Understand the time we're living in. That's my appeal to you today. Understand the time we're living in. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put aside those deeds of darkness. It's a decision to radically change your life. To stop looking back to the night, but start looking forward to living in the light of the dawn of, of Jesus Christ and his coming and his righteousness. You've got to put aside those old night clothes. Now the word put aside is not like uh, putting aside your pajamas. Now you're going to pick them up the next night. It's that sense of throwing them away forever. These are not pajamas to occasionally put back on because now you've chosen to live in the light of the day of Christ. And as we've thought, most people find it pretty strange to walk around Tesco's in their pajamas. Secondly, oh, that's our second point. Thirdly, response to understanding the time, it's time to get clothed for the day. Look at verse uh, 14. Well, you know, we belong to this day. It's time to get dressed, isn't it? Freshen up, get dressed. And there's two beautiful descriptions here of these clothes. So verse 12, put on the armor of light, it says. Put on the armor of light. So what we're putting on is armor. What does that tell you? It tells you that you're in a battle. You're in a spiritual fight. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, warns in his first letter, the devil is like a lion prowling around seeking someone to devour. Paul expands on this imagery of the armor in his, in his letter to the church in Ephesus. And he says that we need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. And amongst those... Uh, Bits of armor, he talks about the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. My friends, as we live in this time of darkness, knowing that the light of his kingdom is just 
dawning over the horizon. We're still living in a spiritual war. The devil doesn't want to let you go. The world will mock you for the way you're living and want to pull you back into the same darkness. And our own sinful nature is actually drawn to succumb to it. And so each day, we need the clarity to put on the armor of God, the armor of light, to gain the full protection of applying the gospel to our lives, knowing that our struggle is not against people we see, flesh and blood. There's a spiritual forces of power at work in the world and trying to take us back into the darkness. But my friends, don't, don't head out in the day in your own strength. Look at that lovely description, verse 14. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. What do clothes do? Well, they cover our bodies for our, for our protection, as well as uh, enhancing our appearance. Often our clothes kind of mark us out. They convey something about uh, who we are and what we do. And the determination of the Christian who understands the time is that we want to clothe ourselves every day with Jesus Christ. I've often referred to this because I love this picture in the, in, in, in the Old Testament book of Zechariah. The picture of um, Satan and he's accusing Joshua, the high priest, before the presence of God because he's standing there in filthy robes. Robes that are, uh, in a sense, a picture of his sin and his unfitness to serve and minister before God and his people. But God makes a wonderful provision for Joshua. An angel commands, take off his filthy clothes. And then he says to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I'll put fine garments on you. And all of this is a picture, really, of God's amazing uh, grace of what he's going to accomplish through Jesus. Describe that little section of Zechariah as the branch, my servant, the branch, who on a single day will remove the sin of his people. Do you know you're a sinner today? Do you fear that one day you will meet God and face his judgment? Can I say to you today, put on Jesus Christ. Yes, you're filthy. You're sinful. You can't Stand before a holy God, but he has made a way. He's offered his own son. Put on Christ today, that he will be your covering, that he will be your righteousness. He can cover every blemish, every stain. You say today, well, I'm too weak to be a Christian. Put on Christ. For he's your strength. He's your protection. He's got enough grace to help you each and every day to live for him. You know, every day I go to my wardrobe and I put on clothes. I'm just like that. That's what I do. You probably do it too. And I want you every day this week to think as you grab for your clothes, today I must put on Jesus Christ. Don't leave the house without putting on Christ. He's our forgiveness. He's our grace. He is our mercy. He's our protection. He's our provision. By His Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ covers us and goes with us. He is what I want others to see about me as I head into the day. And so it says in 14, to no longer spend time thinking back to our old life in the darkness. To stop giving any consideration about how we can conform to that old age and gratify our sinful desires. But instead, I'll fill our minds with the words of Christ and the person of Christ by his spirit. And then our minds will be renewed and our lives will be transformed and we will be able to keep on offering our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Then we will be able to persevere in loving difficult people. Then we will be able to continue fighting temptation and sin when we put on Christ. Now, this text that we've just looked at this morning uh, was a decisive one for Augustine, who was born in AD 354 in North Africa. We heard in the video about uh, North Africa. Well, there was a time when there were a lot of great Christians in North Africa. There still are, I'm sure, great Christians in North Africa, but there was many more Christians at that time. And um, his infamous prayer as a young man was, Lord, give me chastity and continence, but not yet. 
And this reflected really his inner conflict as he recognizes that the virtuous thing to do was to live a celibate life as a single man and yet fears uh, that the demanding struggle against human urges and passions, that he won't be able to cope without it. And in his famous work, his confession, St. Augustine was not afraid to admit his utter powerlessness in the face of sexual temptation. As a young man, he'd given into the attraction of sexual pleasure and he'd taken a lover who he'd never marry. He had a kid with her. He was brutally honest about why he chose to live with this woman. He said this, I had chosen, to, I had chosen her for no special reason, but that my restless passions had alighted on her. So his conversion was delayed because his sin kind of enslaved him. And he wrote, I was bound by this disease of the flesh, its deadly pleasures were a chain that I dragged along with me, yet I was afraid to be freed from it. And then one day, as he was agonizing in the garden of a friend, he heard a child in a neighboring garden sing a little song that went like this, take up and read, take up and read. And he took it as God speaking directly to him. He went into the house, went into the library, picked up a book of um, the letters of the Apostle Paul, and he opened to this exact section and read, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual morality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And he wrote, no further would I read, nor did I need, for instantly as the sentence ended, by a light, as it were, of security infused into my heart, all the gloom of doubt vanished away. So here's another great motivation, isn't it? For persevering as a Christian, understanding the time. This is the time to wake up. It's the time to put off our night clothes. It's the time to get clothed for the day. For the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. O church, arise.
may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God's people said,